get into James 3, and then you should have two pages tonight, one for notes and one uh, is a set of recess, uh, resources that I'll talk about at the end. We won't really be doing anything. Um, it's just for your um, benefit. So, um, um, I'm going to tell y'all a little something before we get started on this and be a little bit real with this set of scriptures that we're tackling tonight. You know, like, the older you get and the more you learn about yourself, you will, I don't know about you, but I find that um, some of my greatest strengths are also some of my greatest weaknesses, and that there's a shiny side and there's a shadow side, and darn that shadow side, it'll get you every time. Um, so, for me, in my life, that has been... Um, this area of speech. Uh, I am a speech language pathologist. So I have worked in this field for 33 years, um, teaching children and adults of various uh, ages um, how to improve their communication in a variety of settings. And so this is something that God gifted me with. I've enjoyed it. I am still enjoying it. I love it. Um, and I know deep down it's what God made me to do. Um, and I, I find it to be a gift. At the same time, there's that shadow side. And so as uh, gifted as God has given me, he has also said, okay, I'm, this is something that you are going to need to wrestle with um, me. And so in my life, especially, you know, a couple of decades ago and yesterday, um, I, you know, I find that I have to be on guard about everything that has, comes out of my mouth. And if, if there's a sin that, I, that you can commit with your mouth, I've done it. I'm just telling you. I have not only done it, I've struggled not to do it and had to confess and repent and ask forgiveness in this cycle over and over and over. And it's sometimes really frustrating. Um, but it also is, it makes me curious, like it's it's really cool of God to give us things that we're good at, but at the same time want us to be even better at those things. And so I feel like communication and speech is an area that he has done that for me in. <coughs> um, you know, I made that connection one time about, I don't even know, I was working at Frontenac, the kids were young, and um, we had a blow up on the way to school, and I was, I yelled, and there was crying, and there was um, all kinds of things in the car right before school, and then I went in, and was doing my job, and I had to uh, go around the corner to a preschool. So I got in my car and I was thinking, I love my job. I just love it. And in that moment, when I turned my key off, the Lord can just, it was like this conviction that happened at about the same time that I said, oh, I love my job. I love what I get to do. That he was like, and you've got some work, don't you, Kelly? <laughs> And so I just, I mean, I started weeping. I was like, this is driving me crazy. I know this about myself. Why do I keep falling into this trap? And so 
Um, James 3 has been life-giving to me, and it's kind of been a very special chapter that has drawn me back and back and helped with my formation process in helping me to navigate um, ways of being Christ-like that are hard and that I have to um, kind of be on guard and to watch. And I know when I'm tired or hungry or sick, I need to be quiet. Because chances are, if I'm hungry or tired or sick, the words that come out of my mouth are going to be less than stellar um, a lot of times. And so that's something that I have learned. Um, uh, anyway, <laughs> so as I've walked um, closer with God and all through this, like I've done this for 33 years and been a Christian for, you know, a lot longer than that. Um, I also started to listen to God a little bit better. So I have been a little bit slower to speak, as Jane said, and a little bit quicker to listen. And uh, a couple of years ago, God um, kind of was prompting me, even though I love my job, into a new chapter of my life. So I started last um, fall a master's program in Christian spiritual formation and leadership. And I'm loving what I'm learning. I'm just loving it. And um, the main reason I decided to do that is because I know what I know about God, but there's this like gap between how to communicate what I know to be the truth about God, and I want to be able to communicate and use my words um, in whatever way in the future a little bit more concisely and clearly. That is the reason I started this program. I have no idea what I'm going to do with it other than just be a better, I want to use my words better about this very important part of my life. Um, so one thing that I have learned is that our spiritual formation, the way that we are being made into Christ-likeness, it involves our hearts and our desires, which we're going to talk about tonight, our thoughts and our feelings, it involves our bodies, and it involves our relationships. And all of those things are integrated together in community with God, Jesus, and the Holy Spirit. We're in fellowship with him as all of these different parts come together in this integrated part where we are representing Jesus in our thoughts, our feelings, our bodies, our relationships, all of the aspects of our, our being. And... I wanted to say all that and tell you that story because our words are a very powerful place where our spirituality is on display for the world. Um, because our words, our speech, are a witness to the world about what we believe about God. Um, as are our actions, but words are actions. We're moving our mouth. We're acting um, in a certain sense. Now, our our actions, you know, decisions have to back up our words. But um, anyway, I kind of wanted to lay that groundwork before we dive in, just to kind of let you know where I'm coming from and why this is so important. And I think that um, I love how James kind of nestled this right. It's kind of right in the middle. 
the dead center of his letter. There's two chapters before and two chapters after. And we're going to see tonight how um, he's already been talking about some of this, and he'll continue to talk about some, some of this throughout uh, the rest of the um, uh, book. Are y'all ready to jump in? Proverbs 1, 1 through 7. If you haven't already turned there, go ahead and do that. And would someone like to read the first seven verses of chapter 1? Nate, you raised your hand first. The Proverbs of Solomon, the son of David, king of Israel. To know wisdom and instruction. To discern the sayings of understanding. To receive instruction in the wise belief. Righteousness, justice, and equity. To give prudence to the naive. Knowledge and discretion. A wise man will be an increase in learning, and a man of understanding will acquire wise counsel. To understand a proverb and a figure, the words of the wise and the wise. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge. Fools despise wisdom and instruction. Thank you. So, um, the first week when Anthony was introducing, um, this book, he said that somewhere he had read that James is like the New Testament um, Proverbs. And I had never heard that before, and it stuck with me. And um, I, I kind of, as that has stuck with me as we've been reading through James, and how kind of bullet point uh, the sentences are, and it's very action-oriented. And also, there's this through theme of wisdom, which is what uh, Proverbs is all about, as we saw um, from the first seven verses. In verse 5 of Proverbs 1, it says, a wise person does what? He listens and increases in learning. So he listens and learns. That's what a wise person does. Listens and learns. A discerning person... It says at the end of that verse, does what? Obtains wise counsel. Mine says seeks guidance. Okay. So um, the whole book of Proverbs is kind of about that. That's it. It's kind of an introduction to the book of Proverbs. So uh, if you ever feel like you need a little bit of wisdom, Proverbs is a great place to go hang out. Um so, what is wisdom? What exactly, how, how would you define wisdom? It says that a wise person listens and learns or gains knowledge. But is wisdom the same thing as knowledge? Or is it a little bit different? Hi, Amanda. It's knowledge and action. Knowledge and action. It's a good way of putting it. Wisdom is a little bit more specific than knowledge because you can know anything, but wisdom is the truth. Mm -hmm. Okay. Applying critical thinking to your knowledge. Knowledge is kind of like facts, right? So, how would wisdom differ in that regard? Discernment. Okay. So Proverbs says a wise person 
listens and learns, a discerning person seeks guidance. What, how, do you, how would you describe discernment? Being wise? <laughs> it's kind of like those two yeah, things I mean, go together. It's kind of like judgment. I mean, you're uh-huh. judging, you're discerning. You, mm-hmm. kind of, you know what's right or wrong. think at times when I have uh, gotten a piece of information about someone and uh, if you just share that that's being without like wisdom is knowing what to do with that knowledge whether to keep shut about it do you go to someone is it like is this something for mine to share you know what I mean that's a that's kind of Away, and it takes discernment and wisdom to know what to do with information that you get. Okay, that's just an example. One of the um, uh, commentaries said that wisdom, like, is being talked about in the Old Testament in Proverbs, is a God-given and God-centered discernment regarding the practical issues of life. Wisdom comes from prayer for God's help. God gives generously with single-minded liberality and without reproach. So we already know from James 1 that if you need wisdom, ask God and he's going to give it to you, Um, which is such good news. Um, Such good news. So what would be the opposite of wisdom? Foolishness. Yes. And you see that a lot in Proverbs. You know, wise person does this, a fool does this. Right? Um, intelligence has nothing to do with either one of these. I've known very, very intelligent people who are very, very foolish and unwise. And I've, uh, I've known people with very low intelligence who are very wise. And I think y'all, y'all do too. So we can't equate those two. So what we're talking about is very different. Um, So, let us, um, nope, not yet. Someone read James 1. Let's go back to James 1 real quick, verses 4 through 5. Someone read that for us. But endurance must do its complete work so that you may be mature and complete, lacking nothing. Now, if any of you lacks wisdom, should ask God who gives to all generously and without criticizing and will be given to him. Very good. Um, Who gives us wisdom? God. And how do we get it? Okay. 
Why do we need it? The key is in verse 4. Yes. Oh, just when I think I'm mature. <laughs> just when I think I'm mature. Uh, my mother lives here in town, and I, it's so much fun. Uh, I've never lived in the same town as my mom. She moved here about five years ago. But, um, you know, there's something weird. I'm in my 50s, but I can get around my mom, and I can revert to my 14-year-old self really fast. It's crazy how that happens. I become so immature. I, I hear it. Like, I'm like, what am I? This is Todd will be like, stop. <laughs> and I'm like, what's happening? I hate this about myself. So, anyway, yes, more wisdom, more wisdom, more wisdom. Because we are in the process. That's what spiritual formation is. We're in this process, this mature maturation process that's going to take us until the day we see Jesus face to face. We're never going to be fully, fully um, complete until then, but we can learn and grow, and it does get easier easier as we go because if we it will get easier if we ask ask God for wisdom so um the words of Jesus Jesus though never had a problem with this he never reverted to his 14 year old self and was snarky and sarcastic and rude and um boastful or any of the other things that you can be um Jesus' words reflected his heart, and as we submit to training to be like him, um, our words will begin to reflect more appropriately that formational process. So James 1 is about hearing and doing. James 2 was a little bit about faith, faith um, talked about faith without works is dead. And so to kind of combine those things, I kind of uh, wrote that faith is, is what is faith? It's basically our spiritual beliefs. And how do we get faith? By what we hear. Okay. Um, what is works? Works is our bodily action. So it's something we do with our body, and our tongue is our body, right? Um, and it's something that we do. So faith and works, hearing and doing beliefs and action. There's kind of this, um, they work together. You can't have one without the other, like we talked about last week. Um, so we embody our faith with, with our actions with one another, and that is what we bring brings us to James 3. So that is what James, uh, James has taught us, and now we're going to talk about how speech and action and how it builds on the foundation of what James is talking about. So um, um, I'm just going to read this as we go. I'm not going to read it ahead of time. So I'm going to read the first um, two verses of James 3. And tonight I'm reading out of the Christian Standard Bible. Not many should become teachers, my brothers, because you know that we will receive a stricter judgment. For we all stumble in many ways. If anyone does not stumble in what he says, he is mature able also to control the whole body. So teachers will receive what? Stricter judgment. Stricter judgment. And the mature are able to what? It's verse 2. 
Yes, control the whole body if you are mature. Um, why are our teachers going to be judged more strictly? More, like, out in the, like, we have more opportunity to reflect God's light towards other people, and that's a big responsibility to reflect God's light to other people in such a mass amount. That's right. All those people are hearing what you're saying. Right. The reason that we who teach will be judged more strictly is that the more we say, the more likely we are to stumble. The more words out there, eventually you're going to, it's just, it's a law of averages. And so um, you're going to make mistakes. Um, Teachers are not perfect and will make mistakes just like everyone else. But their mistakes have, if you are, their, your mistakes as a teacher have destructive consequences. But if you're not following Christ, you mislead. Exactly. That's a problem. It's like that millstone around the neck in Matthew. So, um, the more you say, so here's here's what I want y'all to take away. The more you say, the more easy, more likely you are to stumble. Reflects James one nineteen, which says. Um, my dear brothers and sisters understand this everyone should be quick to listen slow to speak and slow to anger so it's easy to kind of think when you read this well I'm not a teacher so I'm good okay but in what ways are we all teachers we're alive and people watch us (laughs) I like people watching I'm watching you guys so you're me something. So you're saying things. Yeah. So because you've been given this gift of communication, the words go out, and by our words we, we teach. You don't have to be standing up here or in a pulpit or in a classroom. Did you have a book? I did. Thank you for reminding me, though. It's way late. Yeah. <laughs> thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Um, Where were you last week? <laughs> <laughs> did you not record? Oh, let's, let's, let's bring that up again. Let's focus on So if we're all teachers, who do you teach? I, I mean, think about some of the people that you teach. Our children. As parents, you teach your children. People you live with. Your roommates. People or whoever's in your house. Customers. Customers. Fathers. You teach your father? <laughs> Is that what you said? <laughs> yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Absolutely. Teach your Whoever parents. we come in contact with. And yeah. whoever we speak to. Okay. And Do you agree with that? Yes. Yeah. Yeah. I feel like there's also an indirect path of that because the people you interact with interact with other people so like if LaVonda was to tell me something and I pass that on to Kelly then Kelly's going to learn what LaVonda actually That's That is the weight of the consequences that our, our words matter I'm wearing my seat, my words, my uh, shirt Your words matter Yes, that's exactly right um, Our world especially in 2024 
They're coming at you from all angles and all places. Um, here's something to consider. Who are you being taught by? Who are we being taught by? Hopefully, Jesus yeah. is right there on top. Absolutely. But inadvertently, we are being taught by the news, by the radio, by songs we listen to. We're being taught, oh, all the things, all the ways you can be taught by this. Um, overflowing, overflowing. Um, so, a wise and discerning person is careful about not only the words they say because they have consequences, but also the words they take in and they listen to, okay? Um, all right, verses 3, 4, and 5. Uh, we have these famous three illustrations that help us understand the power of what James is emphasizing in his writing. So verse 3. Now, if we put bits into the mouths of horses so they so that they obey us, we direct their whole bodies. So he uses illustrations, all right? So what's the first illustration? Okay, y'all are familiar what, with what a bit is in a horse, and it's a tiny piece, and yet what does that bit do? It steers the horse. It directs the whole big horse and where you want to go. Um, verse 4, and he goes on, consider ships. Though very large and driven by fierce winds, they are guided by a very small rudder wherever the will of the pilot directs. So verse 4, we have ships and a rudder. Y'all all know what the rudder of a ship is. Compared to the size of the ship, the rudder is very small. And what does it do? It also steers, just kind of like a horse. It guides, all right? Um. So, too, in verse 5, though the tongue is a small part of the body, it boasts great things. All right? It boasts great things. What does another version say? Makes grand speeches. Makes grand speeches. Okay. Um, the thing is, when you've got a horse in a rudder a bit, and you, you've got these two directions, have you ever heard the um, kind of... Uh, uh, illustration where is if that rudder gets off, like if you're going across the ocean to get from point A to point B, and if it gets off like two degrees, it'll it'll send you to Greenland instead of you know South Carolina or whatever. Um, so even though our tongue is small, the whole point here is that it can direct our, the whole course of our life. Uh, verse five. So, too, the tongue is a small part of the body. It boasts great things. Consider, then, how a small fire or a spark sets ablaze a large forest. And the tongue is a fire. The tongue, a world of unrighteousness, is placed among our members. It stains the whole body, sets the course of life on fire, and is itself set on fire by hell. So, verse 5, a spark just a spark that you would light a candle with. If it gets out of control, it can set a forest on fire. So it has the power to what? Destroy. Destroy. It's very destructive. It can be. It can be. It can be very helpful and light the way. 
and be a light in the darkness, or it can set a whole person on fire. So note here in verse 6 that, um, or is it verse 6? Yeah, verse 5. He says, the tongue is a fire. It's not like a fire. So the tongue is like a horse in a bit. It's like a ship in a rudder. But he said the tongue is a fire. Did y'all notice that? Does your version say that? I, what do y'all what do y'all think about that? And what's the kind of what do you what do you learn from that? I had never picked up on that, to be honest, until I was reading through this material. So I was just curious what y'all thought about it. Um, one commentary says, it is more, and it's like an identification than a comparison, because James wants to emphasize how dangerous and destructive the tongue can be. Um, so I was just kind of reading that this morning, and uh, the commentary on as even as false teaching because it's it's a world of unrighteousness and it pollutes the whole entire yeah. body. Yeah, that's exactly right. Um, I think it's also definition on the same point of fire and you have good good attributes and bad attributes. You could end up the good side. Yes, and we're gonna it, it, we're gonna see how, what he does with kind of the kind of this contrast here in the, in the next couple of verses. But that's a very good point because you know I light a candle in the morning in my quiet time just to remind me of the Holy Spirit, um, and that you know that's a very good point. Fire is not inherently bad; it keeps us warm. It lights our lights up the darkness. It's a, where would we be without fire? It would not be a good thing. And yet, unless we're mature and we have wisdom and discernment, that it can get out of control really quickly. Um, James goes on in verse 7 and 8. He says, Every kind of animal, bird, reptile, and fish is tamed and has been tamed by humankind, but no one no one can tame the tongue. It is a restless evil full of deadly poison. Um, no one can tame the tongue. Who can, though? Jesus. No one. No one person can. No. But who can? The Holy Spirit in us can help us tame the tongue. Jesus can. Yes, Audrey. My Bible specifically says, but no human being. There you go. What's your back version? Mine is the tree of life. Okay. No human being. There you go. Because we can't. And that gives me such hope. <laughs> you guys, remember the story I told you at the beginning? Over and over and over. And no, I'm not. I mean, this is this is my thorn in the flesh. Shut my mouth. 
But that's okay. God's with me in it. And he's teaching me. And he is not upset with me when I forget and when I reveal my immaturity when I'm with my mom and I snap at her. I mean, I can't continue to do that, but I can learn from that. And I can grow in that. And I'm convicted by that. And I apologize for that. And because of that, I'm better. And that is the purpose. That's sanctification. I am being formed by this process that is hard and that I'm wrestling with. But I'm, I'm learning to pause and let, my, let the Spirit direct my words a little bit better, a little bit better as I go along. Okay? Um, so, here's why this is so important. Um, nope, I'm not going to jump ahead. Can you? Well, what time is it? Okay. I'm going to go ahead and get on to the next one. Any, any, any comments on this? Sorry, I was like, uh, 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 sorry. <laughs> okay, let's read 9 through 12. Because this section shows us practically what James is getting at. Because there's this great contradiction between when we speak both blessing and curses. I love you and I hate you. <laughs> you make me so happy. You make me so mad. You know, all of these things, this great contradiction. And this is what James is getting at in the next uh, three verses. Verse 9. With the tongue, we bless our Lord and Father. And with it, we curse people who are made in God's likeness. Blessing and cursing come out of the same mouth. My brothers and sisters, these things should not be this way. Does a spring pour out sweet and bitter water from the same opening? Can a fig tree produce olives? My brothers and sisters, or a grapevine produce figs? Neither can a salt water spring yield fresh water. So what's the great contradiction? Same mouth. Yeah. It comes out. Both things. So it's kind of like, it's kind of like, um, well, we'll get there in a minute. Um, before we kind of unpack this, would someone, I'm going to give you three verses. I need three um, uh, people to help me. Luke 6.45. Would someone look that up and read it? Nate. The next one, Matthew 12.34. Audrey? And then the third one is Mark 7, verses 20 to 23. That's a long one. Thank you. Okay. So these all just kind of these are my, these were also in my little tool chest of learning that I have been through in my life. Nate, can you read um, Luke 6, 45? The good man out of the good treasure of his heart brings forth his evil. And the evil man out of the evil treasure brings forth his evil. For his mouth speaks from that which fills his heart. Ooh, in the, uh, what version is that? In ASB. Okay. I love that. Say that again, that last phrase. For his mouth speaks from that which fills his heart. That's good. 
Mine says, out of the overflow of the heart, the mouth speaks. Right? We know that. That's the picture of this spring that he's talking about. Whatever comes out, this originates here. So it is a reflection of what's going on internally, the words that come out of our mouth. Matthew 12, 34 kind of says the same thing a little bit. Audrey? You brood of vipers, how can you, who are evil, say anything good? For from the overflow of the heart, the mouth speaks. Okay, it basically said exactly the same thing. So the mouth speaks what the heart is full of. All right, um, Mark 7, 20 to 23. Hold on. He went on. What comes out of a person is what defiles them. For it is from within, out of a person's heart, that evil thoughts come. Sexual immorality, theft, murder, adultery, greed, malice, deceit, lewdness, envy, slander, arrogance, and folly. All these evils come from inside and defile Okay, so what comes out of a person is what defiles them. Okay, you know that old saying, sticks and stones can break my bones, but words will never hurt me, is absolutely <laughs> false. Words will hurt you more. Okay, so how does James illustrate it? He does it in verse 11. He says, um, a spring um, talks about a spring words spring forth from the spring of our hearts I can't remember how I wrote it is that kind of what it's, I said on your um, handout words spring forth from the spring of our hearts yeah a, so the first illustration is a spring yeah easy <laughs> And the second illustration is a fig tree, right? So words, they spring forth from the spring of our hearts, but words also are like the fruit. It's one way to manifest or see the fruit of our heart. Because uh, a fig tree can't produce olives. That's just not going to happen. So, um, and a grapevine can't produce figs, so saltwater spring, uh, neither can a saltwater spring bear fresh, fresh water, okay? Whatever is in your heart is going to come out. It's not going to be different. So if blessings and curses come out, we've got a heart problem that needs to be brought to the secret place with the Holy Spirit and he can do his good work of kind and loving conviction on us. And um, sometimes that's just hard to do. All times hard to do. But man, that is how we grow. That's how we mature. That's how we gain wisdom. Okay. Before we move on to the last section, what are your thoughts about all of this first section? Anything? It's incredibly hard. I mean, it's just, it's really hard to take the time. It's hard. Like what you said, when you're tired or hungry or not feeling well, it's just, I'm out of work. I'm not getting work for all of us. It's just been vulnerable. Things just come out of our mouths. 
it's a tough, it's a tough, it's a tough thing to swallow. Right now, um, the church I go to, Faith Church, is doing the Bible recap, and so right now we're in numbers, but we've been reading in chronological order, mm -hmm. and I find it interesting the things that we're reading in James here are just reflections of what we've already talked about in Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, all those. Isn't it wonderful? Isn't it wonderful? Like you would think Numbers is like a boring book of the Old Testament. And yet, there's such rich, um, like the nitty gritty, beautiful yeah. words. And also, like, there's this synergy between the Old and New Testament. And all of these individuals who wrote these books in the New Testament had this background of the Torah and all of the stories of the, um, of the, uh, kings and prophets and all of all of this information and they were soaked in it and so it's actually makes the bible more believable when you can read james and think oh that sounds like numbers you know it makes it more believable um that that happened that's a good that's a good point um audrey all right um uh now we're going to get into the section called the wisdom from above in my Bible. That's what it says. The last five verses. So verse 13, who among you is wise and understanding by his good conduct? He should show that his works are done in the gentleness that comes from wisdom. Now let's understand this is one continuous thought. It's not like James says, okay, I'm done talking about the tongue. He's just continuing the thought, even though it kind of looks a little bit different. So we're still talking about how wisdom is shown through our words. And um, he asked that question, who among you is wise and, understand, or is wise and understanding? And so uh, what is the answer? How is wisdom revealed? Okay. How do we know that someone's wise and understanding? There's two things by our, by his what? Conduct. By his good conduct. So it's by his actions and um, by his actions, he shows that his works are done, but it's actions that are done in gentleness. That's right. Um, that flows out of wisdom. So we know that a wise person, their actions are going to be gentle. Because that is a reflection of the Holy Spirit. That is a fruit of the Spirit in our life. Um, so someone who controls, that's what I, that's what I want to be. That's why I, it, 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 it just broke my heart so much when I was learning all of these things, especially with children. <laughs> I, I'm convinced that j j the design for the family is that we are given children in order to, for us to mature. It is not for us to teach them everything. It is for our maturity. Um, because I, I mean, I just learned so much about being a parent, uh, about being a Christian from being a parent. But um, where was I going with that? Uh, I wanna, I want my speech to be gentle. That's where I was going. Someone who controls their tongue, they're gonna speak in a gentle way. 
in a wise way that shows gentleness. That doesn't mean that it's weak, but it's a tone. I have learned over the years that your tone of voice, the way you said something, all these nonverbal things that you're communicating with your speech also um, uh, kind of play into, speak volumes, it plays into this, yes. Because the actual words, nothing might be wrong with it, but the way that you said it also reflects your heart. The word yes or no can be done in a way that is a blessing or a curse. Am I wrong? <laughs> Humility. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Oh, exactly. It is that fire that we need to keep in the uh, fire pit. Otherwise, it's going to rush out. Okay? Um, James 1 through 5 through 7. Again, I keep going kind of back to that first uh, chapter. Um, you know, this, th these three verses, basically, it's characterizing wisdom by a good life, by deeds done with humility that come from wisdom. That's the good life. And part of that is um, what we're talking about in this chapter. Um, okay, chap uh, verses 14 through 18. I'm going to just kind of read this in one swoop. So, if your works are done, um, if you're wise in understanding, this is what it looks like. But, he starts verse 14, if you have bitter envy and selfish ambition in your heart, don't boast and deny the truth. Such wisdom does not come down from heaven, but is earthly, unspiritual, demonic. For where there is envy and selfish ambition, there is disorder in every evil practice. But, verse 17, the wisdom from above is first pure, then peace-loving, gentle, compliant, full of mercy and good fruits, unwavering, without pretense. And the fruit of righteousness is sown in peace by those who cultivate peace. Okay? So what we see here is uh, James contrasting two kinds of wisdom. Wisdom that is earthly and wisdom that is from heaven. Earthly wisdom rests basically on deceit. He said, uh, don't boast and deny the truth. So... Don't brag and lie about it. Like, this is what's going on. Earthly <clears throat> wisdom rests on this kind of stuff. And so what exactly does that look like specifically? And I left a little blank for y'all to, to put that in. What does earthly wisdom look like? Chaos. Chaos, yeah. Okay, it looks like human understanding instead of godly wisdom. Uh, so the spring where earthly wisdom flows out of is envious, it's, um, it's selfish ambition, it's disorder, it's evil, basically. That's where earthly wisdom, that's the overflow of, the, of that kind of heart. So what does heavenly wisdom look like according to 15, 17 and 18? Specifically, what kind of spring does it flow from? 
tyranny. Peace. Peace. Mm -hmm. Gentleness, again, that's kind of following back up. Good deeds. That's good, yeah. Yes, yes. Do, does that sound familiar? Chapter two, <coughs> without favoritism. Absolutely. Um, okay, I want you, that, that comes to the end. I want you to look at um, kind of this thing I put together. Um, kind of as a toolbox for wise speech. And just look at every chapter. I'm telling you, this is a, this is a thing, an underlying theme. Okay? Faith without works is dead. Um, what was the other one? Uh, what is it that we're talking about? <laughs> uh, hearing and doing, sorry. <laughs> this is basically um, kind of like all of this that he has uh, kind of been writing about kind of sums up with this really practical way of how we use our words and what words we decide to say and words we decide not to. So here is just a little um, tool chest. Starting in James 1, ask God for wisdom to speak life. He's going to give it to you. James 1.19, be quick to listen and slow to speak. How do I do this? How do I mature? Well, James 2, 1 through 4 says, don't speak in a way that shows favoritism. Um, so that means that can play out in a zillion different ways. James 2, 15 through 16, back your words up with action. Don't be hearers of the word and do without doing something about it. James 3, 2, remember what you say reflects your maturity. Remember what you don't say <clears throat> reflects your maturity. Same thing. James 3, 13 through 14, examine your heart by its fruits. If you're starting to hear things, for me, and my, this is real practical for me, when I start hearing myself sound a little shrill, or short, or like that is the fruit that I'm paying attention to, which means, okay, we need to do something different. We need to stop this. I need to go in the other room. I need to um, apologize. I need to um, just maybe tuck it away, and tomorrow morning when it's quiet, I need to have Jesus kind of do some cleanup, you know, what's going on. So pay attention to the fruit of what it is you're saying. James 3.18, speak in a manner that fosters peace. James, and I'm jumping ahead, if that's okay. James 4.11, don't criticize others. Ooh, we get a lot in the next couple of chapters. James 4.13, don't boast about tomorrow in arrogance. James 5.9, do not complain to one another. James 5.12, don't swear. Let your yes be yes, your no be no. 5.13, pray and sing praises. James 5.16, confess your sins to one another. And James 1.5, of course, we're going to go back to that for the 12th time tonight. 
God generously gives wisdom to all who ask. Okay? Let us be wise and discerning people. And let, it, and let that be reflected in the, the way that we teach, which just means the way that we speak and the words that we say. Um, on the back of this page that I just read is kind of just an extensive list that I compiled for another study that I did a couple of years ago. And what we're talking about basically can be um, described as we can either speak life or we can speak death. That's what blessings and curses are. When you speak curse over someone, you basically are saying, I, I hope you die. <laughs> okay? So blessing is life-giving. Cursing is brings death. The Bible is full. I mean, this is just what I could fit on one page. I'm sure there's more, but these are biblical descriptions of what it looks like to speak life and what it looks like, what the characteristics of death are. And our words that speak life, these flow from the spirit that lives in us. This is not who we are because we know that the tongue is a fire. And without the Holy Spirit in us to tame that fire in a way that he desires, um, it's going to be it's going to be bad. So these are beyond our human capacity. And they come from a heart that's that wants what God wants more than what we want. Because sometimes we want to say that thing. Because it feels good in the moment. And then it doesn't feel so good when we see the effects that those words have, all right? Um, and the opposite goes through on the other side. I just want to say, too, that I forgot to say this. We type our words. In the comment section, you can see this in action. Go to any kind of social media account or whatever, Amazon reviews. <laughs> I mean, it doesn't matter. You can you you find it everywhere that people think this has no consequence. All right? We could talk about this for an hour. And I see by your heads like you've seen this in action. It's death. And so wise and discerning people also whatever comes out of your mouth this is coming out of your, this is just as applicable. It comes out of your heart, all right? We're communicating. We communicate in a lot of different ways, not just with words, and I think this is our whole communication. Y'all agree? The other thing that we see every day through our signs, billboards and signs, shirts and plaques and all of those things that fill our mind with good, bad, and ugly. Flags, um, bumper stickers, um, buttons, all the things. So just be mindful uh, that this is a process that we are in. It is a great gift that we've been given, and we need to steward that gift to the glory of God and to use it in our ministry. Each one of you have a ministry, and it's a teaching ministry. And 
that might be to your coworker in the cubicle next to you. It might be with your child in the car. It doesn't have to be here. It doesn't have to be like a teacher. It can be anywhere. And so, yeah. Oh, thank you for saying that because um, that is one thing that I didn't write down that I thought of. Um, yes. You know, it said, um, where was it? Let me just say this. Let me just read this with that in mind. Um, Blessing and curses, oh, come out of, oh, with the tongue we bless our Lord and Father, and with it we curse people who are made in God's likeness. So if you speak out against a president that you don't like, or a candidate you don't like, or um, a political figure of any type that you don't like, you have to be really careful about how you say it and guard your heart so that you don't you know call names he doesn't have to be in the room for it to not be a curse you speak that out and you can't ever put it back in and just like you said Audrey you say that to LaVonda well LaVonda will repeat it to me you never know where your words will end up getting repeated to someone who it has a negative consequence okay we are being shaped by all the words floating around. So anyway, this year for sure, gotta be careful. We gotta be careful. And we have to we have to engage in our world, but we just need to be wise and discerning about the words that we speak. Dear God, thank you for tonight. Thank you for your wonderful word um, that you have given us to help us guide and lead lives that um, in fellowship with you in a way that um, reflect your glory glory, and reflect your son and make us um, the fragrance of your son and make us um, be people that others will be curious about and want to know more about who we serve and what makes us stand apart and, st and look different. Lord, may we all speak blessing um, in greater measure to those that we come in contact tomorrow. Uh, give us strength and wisdom and discernment. And it's in your name we pray. Amen. Amen. Amen.